Welcome to your upfront moment. We're building a confidence revolution. Hi friends, I'm Lauren Curry, the founder of Upfront. We're an organisation on a mission to change confidence for 1 million women and non-binary people by 2023. And we do this in three ways. We transform your relationship and habits around confidence, power and visibility through our six-week online course. Each cohort is called a bond. Bond is the collective noun for a group of women. And over a thousand women have graduated from a bond from over 20 different countries. We build community, real, genuine, human community, where women learn how to stand up for themselves and each other. We hold each other to account. We celebrate each other and learn together. Our community is Global Bond. We create content that will inspire, challenge and motivate you to be upfront. We are here to change confidence, not women. Upfront Moment is designed to kick your week off with confidence, self-compassion and agency. Last week, we talked about facing your fears with ladders and friends. This week, me and Najla are talking all about finding your confidence superpower. Hi Najla, so welcome to Upfront Moment and today we're going to be talking about confidence, of course, what we love to talk about, with the focus on this idea of confidence being a very multifaceted thing that is very different for different people. And I think one of the reasons this conversation is interesting to me and I'm still so curious about it is it's something that comes up so often in our working life together but also in our personal life in our friendship because we are two women who spend our days working on upfront and supporting other women and non-binary people with their confidence but we are also on our own journeys of confidence and we have lots of things in common, but we're also very different in in many ways. And that very those differences come up when we have conversations. I speak, you know, around things like visibility, around ideas from our childhood, school memories. So before we get into the juicy stuff, I would love you to introduce yourself. Tell us who you are and why you are, why you have joined me on this wild mission to support a million women with confidence. Yeah, well, um, I'm Najla. I always say Najla like Angela for people who can't remember the name. As well as being a founder, I am the strategy director at Upfront since last summer. Um, I met Lauren last January and it was because of a tweet where she was asking for speakers and she specifically said, don't overthink something, but like, don't overthink what an expert is. 
there's something about her tweet that was just like, I just want people to talk about what they know about and doesn't need to feel the certain qualifications that we might put around that word. And instantly I was, it gave me the confidence actually to reach out to her and say, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to do this, do this thing. Um, if you've heard me answer this question before, I answer it um, differently every single time because I can keep going on and on. Um, but I know that confidence, learning about it, having it, your view on it, really does have an impact on on who you are, your quality of life. Uh, a quick example is as my lack of confidence, my insecurities have actually left me with um, really bad kind of body alignment issues. I always had bigger feet growing up and I was too embarrassed to ask for my actual size. And whenever my mother and I would go shopping for school and I would ask for my size, there'd always be like some kind of comment like, oh man, she's big boned, that's a big girl, that's big feet. Something that made me feel really weird and awkward. And so I would consistently order shoes that were too small for me. Uh, so now I have a permanent pop in my ankle from the time I borrowed my brother's sneakers that was half a size too small for me. But I wanted to feel so cool. I wanted to just be like every other girl wearing cool pair of sneakers. And I had gym class with them. And I mean, truly, truly a traumatic memory. Another memory I have is wearing um, Converse sneakers. If we all know Converse's, they're just like fabrics. They're basically jeans for feet. And um, wearing it in a snowstorm where there's three to four feet of snow because I had lied to my mother about my boots fitting me. And I had begged for these boots. They were Everybody was wearing them in Brooklyn. They were construction boots, the Timberland boots. You know, yellow was a sign of just, like, popularity. And mine were too small. They were excruciating to put on. And so I wore my Converse's in the snowstorm. And I walked through so much snow in order to get to my bus stop because I, I, I took the bus to and from school. And I will never forget the feeling of my feet getting wet and then colder to the point I could no longer feel them and then getting on the bus and the heat of the bus starting to defrost my socks and my converses and the excruciating pain think pins and needles times a hundred all because I consistently lied about my shoes because I was too embarrassed to ask for my size and even now to this day whenever I have any any kind of itchiness on my on my lower extremities I psychologically cannot deal with it like I want to crawl out of my skin and so when we talk about confidence there's there are real consequences there's a real effect that isn't just about people's perception of you it's how you navigate the world it's how you're experiencing the world it's making decisions that may harm you and not help you because of your your confidence level that story makes me really sad for little Najla and also makes me want to post you all sorts of furry socks and comfortable shoes which one day I will do you know I like to post you treats but it's so true what you say about the consequences of confidence that are, you know, they're not sexy, they're not shiny. Like, absolutely, could we sit here and tell incredible stories about women and non-binary folks in our community in the bond who have, I think our highest on records is 70% pay increase, going for promotions, getting them, 
negotiating better mat leave, negotiating flexible working, earning more money across the board. And those things matter so much and I'm here for all of them. But I'm also here for the stories like the ones that you just told, which are the stories that we don't hear about as often because they're not so shiny. And I know we've started in our in our WhatsApp group, I'll send you screenshots and pictures of the kind of tweets and DMs I get with the hashtag impact that's not work. Because you and I are so, you know, we get so excited and inspired by these wee stories, the moments people share with us. And the, the one we talked about last week was... Lauren F. in the bond who had gone on holiday with her partner and had made a decision to get a sea view, you know, had paid for the upgrade, had paid the extra cash to get the amazing view and got there and there was no view. In fact, there was the, the horrible car park or something very unsatisfactory. And she said to me, you know, a few months ago, I'd have been like, huh, we didn't get the view that we paid for. But now she's in such a different place with her confidence, with how much she trusts herself, that she went to reception and reminded them that they'd paid for a sea view. And then the next photograph I got was of her on the balcony standing in front of the sea. And it's like, fuck yes. It's such a good example of, like, you deserve the sea view, physically and metaphorically in every sense of your life. And when we talk about confidence, it's not a one-size-fits-all. It is so intersectional. It is so complex and nuanced. And I know we've been bouncing around the idea between us of building a confidence culture map to help people out there identify how they're... Maybe it's where they grew up. Maybe it's their religion, maybe it's their sexual orientation, maybe it's their race, their ethnicity, their age, their relationship status, all of these things contribute to how you see your own confidence, but how the world perceives your confidence. Like what is that why are you excited about us building this confidence culture map? Like what do you think that would look like? I think I, I think the first thing I'll say is, and I said this to you before, right now in my life I call myself a womanist. Um, it's a term coined by Alice Walker, which is a movement of feminism that is primarily about focusing on black women and black liberation, and that's just where I am right now in my life, especially in the States. And I have been, you know, in and out and around the feminist movement in so many ways. And it has, in a lot of ways, you know, been in white spaces. And I've seen how creating one version of feminism is really damaging and really toxic to so many people. My mom's a homemaker. She finds so much pride in making her home as we're speaking right now, I'm looking at multiple ceramic animals <laughs> <laughs> and plastic covered chairs that we. I'm imagining like a cheetah. There, it's, there's a peacock. There's two peacocks. <laughs> there are dolphins who are like mid air. Um, like multiple, <laughs> multiple animals happening, and I know that some people would look at her and the things that bring her pride and say that's just oppression. 
I think it's really dangerous when we carelessly quantify what what other people feel confident in and tell them it's actually their oppression. Can you can you say more on that, Nat? Can you get me an example? There's a lot of examples. I think it goes in two ways. I think a when you I I'm a big believer that if you are not in relationship with certain people, you do not have the right to criticize them. That is my core belief. I don't think that you have the compassion, empathy, or rights to speak into other people's lives um, critically because you will harm them um, because there's no relationship there for there to be common understanding of where you're coming from. The second thing is the same way we always talk about we are not trying to build an individualistic revolutionary revolution of confidence we are critical of individual choices against the backdrop of systemic oppression so we may judge Mm. a woman who feels like she needs to wear makeup we may judge a woman who needs for me for black women how we feel like i need our hair needs to be and then you say that hairstyle is your oppression you're just identifying with your oppressors you should need makeup you should be able to go out bras are oppressive you don't need it i'm a 44 h um i need a bra there isn't a world where i'm walking around the ears hang low do they wobble when they walk and there's nuance i think there's there's so much nuance that we often forget when we we, and we have these kind of impassioned please me strong opinions Hmm. So that's 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 what I what I mean when uh, because we view that view it as their oppression because we have no context no cultural context no individual context of who they are I had to really learn this growing up I had a lot of fit a lot of friends from the Middle East um, and a lot of hijab women and I've heard really very xenophobic comments on hijab women and hijabi movements and they're they're being oppressed and we lack such cultural nuance and understanding and actual authentic relationship to just make broad sweeping statements like that because i have friends who are hijab women who feel so confident and so beautiful in following this in this expression of of um, their culture and their religion, and they do not feel oppressed in any shape, way, or form. And when we use terms like this, we're just, we're gonna create a homogenous view of women and of freedom and of confidence that's gonna isolate a lot of people. And that tends to lean back into a very, um, like, westernized, very, you know, intellectually focused, um, version of confidence and feminism that is uh, that's just steeped in privilege. Yeah, because privilege is the other is the is the other side of that coin, right? You know, we might talk about speaking up in meetings, for example, and it's so easy to see the Instagram square with the instruction, speak up more, you know, with no context, no nuance, whereas the reality is. And you and I are a good example here in this conversation. A white woman and a black woman have a very different experience of speaking up in meetings, regardless of what we say and how we say it, just simply because of the colour of our skin. And I think, you know, for me, there's something really important and necessary about white women in particular really looking at 
that and sitting with what does that mean for the stories that I tell myself about my own confidence and the confidence of the women around me. For example, you know, when you're not doing the thing, when you don't when you don't speak up in the moment, maybe you witnessed something sexist, something that made you feel uncomfortable, and you don't speak up because you're scared of the consequences. What I want you to think about in that moment is understanding that your consequences are so much lighter and smaller and really often insignificant compared to what those consequences would be for your peer who had darker skin. I mean, even now with what's happening with the Supreme Court leaked memo and everything about abortion rights, and why I ground myself in being a womanist is, you know, there's a lot of conversations of black and brown women who are saying like, hey, we don't have the bandwidth for this fight. And white women being like, and this affects all of us. And we're like, we know, we've been you, we've been fighting. You were not with us when we were fighting. You were not there when they were literally sterilizing women at the border um, during the last administration like sterilizing against their whole women at the border. Nobody was talking about that. All the missing indigenous women that is happening across the Americas. There's so many layers to how we both show up in the world. But at the same time, what I do watch is white women co-opt the expression of confidence. Not only white women, but non-black people um, co-opt the expression of confidence from black culture and it be acceptable say more say more i mean everything from language vernacular sassiness um dressing outfits it's completely different the things that make us confident and make us feel like we're part of our culture that we are then shamed by and then we've lost confidence in showing up in that way we may have lost confidence because we are criticized for having a certain hairstyle or dressing a certain way or having a certain type of speech pattern or vernacular, I've seen it time and time and time again, it be praised in other people and other races, even from a body, um, a body perspective, you know, um, black women, black art, there's so much about like bodies and, and, and curves. There's just, and not everybody has, you know, a specific body, but it's just a general conversation. And then it's like, you shouldn't wear that. You shouldn't look that way. It's the standard of beauty. But now somebody else can co-op this standard of beauty, this way of expressing this this type of confidence in the world. And people clap. People applaud for that. So it's not just confidence is punishment of color, going back to the quote we always use, but our expressions of confidence are not equitable for us. And that sucks, and that makes me really sad. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to find individual confidence when you feel like you're just trying to find confidence as this racial group. It's hard to dive into my individual expression of confidence because sometimes I don't know where my confidence starts and then Mm. where it ends because I feel like I have to prove so many things. Now I'm at the point in my life where I feel like I can, I've taken back 
things that make me feel confident. An example of that is my kindness makes me feel really confident. I Mm. can now say I understand that up to a certain point, I haven't socialized um, to be kind, to be nice, I'll say, to have a certain expression of kindness in the world. Um, it was a survival tactic for me, especially growing up. I was, I was in a lot of non-Black spaces for school um, where I was, because I was always like this like, academic performer. And I was using my kindness as a way to say, essentially, hey, I'm not a threat. Um, mm-hmm. They've expanded on the concept of the flight or fight response and there's actually flight fight fawn or freeze and i was Mm -hmm. a big fawner i would compliment use my kindness to say i'm essentially prey i'm not an i'm not an enemy to you and so i absolutely have deconstructed a lot of that socialized kindness as a survival tactic but now my kindness is a radical expression of my belief that I belong everywhere and I use my kindness as a way to show my little brother how to navigate the world my kindness is how I take up space in a room it's saying that I will be treated the way that I am treating you I dare to believe that we can connect despite the fact that we look differently that I can be present and show up in a room and be warm and look for connection like that is a radical act of confidence for me to lead with kindness and so I've taken back this idea of it being socialized and and I'm like no to believe that I can create connections moments of connections whether it's with a waiter whether it's with a bartender and the willingness to connect the willingness to meet human to human and to take up space is is so important to me, and I think it's one of my like confidence superpowers. And I think people might see me and say, "She's just being nice," or "You don't gotta be nice to those people," or you know, they took this. But for me, I'm like, I know what I'm doing. Listen, my kindness makes space for me in ways you can't understand. And the difference between kindness difference between being kind and being nice is super interesting and we talked about it in one of the one of the previous moments where I think the etymology of the word nice comes from stupidity and it's weaponized against people um, whereas kindness is much more intentional as you say it's like intentional purposeful impactful I mean I just listen to your stories all day long but we have come to the end of our moment Nadla which means we have to or I'd like us to share an upfront challenge what's our upfront challenge this week I would love to say and maybe I'll, I'll phrase it in two ways but I would love for the upfront challenge to be what is your confidence superpower what is that thing Delicious. about you, whether it's a trait, whether it's something you love to do that somehow bolsters up your confidence? And I'll, I'll, I'll maybe define a confidence superpower in this way, according to our beliefs. Our, our confidence superpower creates 
make space and room for us wherever we are. Our, your confidence superpower is able to, it's about connection, that it could be used individually and it could also be used in community. Your confidence superpower just makes you really proud to be you and you wouldn't change it for anything in the world. And yours is kindness? Mine is definitely kindness. What do you think mine is? Oh, man. That's... I knew you were going to ask me that. I was going to ask you that. <laughs> you knew it. I you knew, knew it. it. <laughs> like, I know... I, I don't want to sound... I'm like, there's so many that I feel like... There's so many that I feel like I can I can point to, but I think it's your refusal to be the loudest voice in the room. I think your your genuine excitement for people who who are finding their confidence is your superpower. Mm, I love that. Okay, so here's thank you. Here's to kindness and cheerleading and we wanna know what your confidence superpower is. Thank you for listening, friend. Let me know how you go with your upfront challenge. Tag us at Upfront Global, tag me at Lauren Curry and let me know what you took away from this moment. And of course, please let me know if there's any topic you'd like me to cover next. Don't forget to sign up to our weekly newsletter. Every Tuesday, we send over 4,000 people all over the world links, insight and inspiration that will leave you feeling ready to take action. Bye friend, I'll see you on Monday for your next Upfront Moment.